Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just to follow on what Johnny Max said, uh, Lydia's just booted the second hole as well. So she's now one shot off the lead, two under through two. Fantastic, fantastic. Right, this is the one I've been wanting to look forward to all day. His name's uh, Tim Benithan. He's got an Instagram page called Swell Chasers. He's got a YouTube channel called Surfing Visions. Um, and we welcome in Tim Benithan. Uh It's the first time I've ever had a guest in Portugal. G'day, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, well, definitely on the other side of the planet right now. And uh, while you guys are all kind of dealing with uh, during the day, it's very dark here and getting on, sitting back, watching a movie, watching Mission Impossible fall, <laughs> fall out on Netflix and keeping in touch with um, the uh, fake reality, which uh, is not a lot of real reality here with the ocean. But, um, yeah, just cruising. I'd highly, recommend, I'd highly recommend you go on YouTube and, and follow and subscribe to Surfing Visions because there's some wicked uh, footage on there. Uh, in fact, uh, you. Tim, you you travel the world chasing storms and then the swell that comes after them. But having watched you for a long, long time, you spend a lot of time in Nazare in Portugal. Is that the is that mm. the capital city of big waves? Well, it's the home of the world's biggest ride of a wave. So... That's a, that's a given. There are places like I've always said that big wave surfing is really, you know, we're still in its infancy. You know, um, there's been some people that you know loved the adrenaline rush of catching a big wave, but it was never really a a very famous. I mean, it was famous for what people could see on on TV or on 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 now, of course, on social media, because it kind of resonates for the general person. They look at something, you know, someone riding a really big wave and they go, "Oh, wow, that's big." But really, as a sport and a paid sport, it's not really, it really hasn't come on to, like, there's very uh, small amount of people that actually pay uh, for their mortgage, for so, so to speak, with um, a, the living that they generate from big wave surfing. So I still believe that big wave surfing is very uh, early. And um, But as far as location is concerned, Nazare has really been put on the map because it really is the home of the world's biggest rideable wave and it's more the consistency of it and that's what makes it really uh, special and it's only because it has a, 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 a channel outside the wave like a, a canyon that actually when the waves hit the the canyon which is like the, you could imagine the grand canyon under the ocean when the ocean swirls come from a certain direction they bounce out of the canyon three times bigger than than if it was just a flat ocean floor so if you've got a flat ocean floor, it's going to be 20 foot. If you've got the canyon, it's coming out of the canyon um, from a certain direction. So it really can't come directly through the canyon. It's got to kind of bounce out like if you push water in your bath to the side of the, the bath, it's kind of pushing outwards, you know, and bigger than the, your hand, you know. Uh, but if you just push it straight down the middle of the bath, it doesn't really make that big wave. But if you push it to the side it creates these great big teepee waves and that's what Nazare is famous for and when you get those world record rides there's been two or three world record nominations two by the men and one by a lady then um, you know that the waves are um, 
Oh, it's super big, and the biggest wave has been, I think, 87 feet. Don't ask me that in metres. I'm sort of used to the feet over here, yeah. even though it is metric. Um, so 87 feet for Sebastian Studner, and then before that, uh, about six years ago, Rodrigo Corsia got an 80-foot wave. So, And then there's Maya Gabras. She got, I think, a 76-foot wave uh, during an event a couple of years ago too. So... Mayer's got a world record for the tallest ride, uh, rideable ridden wave. And, um, but they were talking about Justine Dupont rode a really big wave in California at a place called Pedro um, uh, Cortez Bank, I should say. And, uh, but I don't think that's big enough. So, yeah, Nazare is just um, an amazing place for big waves, but more so for the consistency of those waves. Having watched a lot of videos from Nazare, some days it's got a really nice, uh, how could I put it, surfable face. Other times it's like it's got a mind of its own with juts and ridges and they are completely bouncing down. Like the the height of the wave is one thing, but the width and the volume of water that's behind these guys, they look like, they look like toothpicks in a blender just having a, a desire for a date with their destiny. And I, and I wrote down here, it's a mixture of uh, when danger meets adventure and when bravery meets stupidity. What what goes mm. what goes on in these guys? What's their purpose? What's their drive to put themselves, uh, some of them, on death's door sometimes? I think it's just, uh, you know, I mean, Nazare is kind of unique because it does generate a lot of surfers that don't really know to surf. So that's the negative thing about toe surfing. You get a lot of kind of, well, in another word, they call them kooks. But, you know, I mean, I don't want to point the finger at people. I just say that there's a lot of inexperienced surfers that can get behind a jet ski with a toe rope and get towed into a wave. So if you can surf a wave, then you can be towed into a monster wave. And if you get documented in that, that's a lot of lot of vibrato, you know, from uh, feeling like you've surfed the biggest wave ever. But really... They don't have the experience to do so, so they're the ones that we don't like. To we don't really believe that they should be there in the lineup, but you can't not stop them from coming, you know. And you know, when like the thing about Nazare is, you just can't turn up and make it happen for yourself. You really need a team, so it's a real team wave. So ideally, you want at least two skis. So one obviously to tow you into that wave, and then another one backing up uh, for water security. So whenever something goes down then uh, there's two of you looking for that person um, after the wave is complete. So on a perfect day, they'll normally kick out in the channel. But like for the swell that's coming next week, which we're all pretty excited about, the direction of the swell is not that great. And what happens is the waves don't have that many openings, gaps, to allow you to get out of that wave in a hurry. Mm -hmm. So... It's kind of scary for me because I'm I've been spending quite a bit of time shooting off a jet ski and you need a really good driver and and I don't have a backup ski so if something happens um, it's more likely the driver is going to have to pick me up <laughs> so yeah it's a bit all this kind of stuff is really important um, to for water safety for a really good surfer you really do need um, at least two skis one to drive you into the wave and the other one to pick you up but of course the driver is normally the person will pick you up, but there's another guy just in case and doing water security, you know. So, um, yeah, there's some really good surfers here 
and there's some pretty darn average ones. That, and you can see them that most of the really average ones are really just going straight. They're not really surfing the wave. They're just going in a direction for survival and probably got their fingers crossed that someone got the shot. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit um, unique in that space. But, um, um, and, you know, um, and, and stuff does go on here and there's been a death for the first time only about six, seven weeks ago. Um, um, Marcio, um, a, a guy uh, drowned here and um, and he didn't have the right flotation, I believe. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's very, very dangerous wave, no doubt. And, uh, you know, we knew that that was going to happen eventually and it happened just lately. Um, I watched, uh, you put up a video, I actually just watched it this morning and it was the biggest wipeout guy whose name escapes me, sorry, but um, I clicked on the video and I saw it was 22 minutes long and I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to get through this. I could not put it down, Tim. The, uh, the storytelling. The CJ Mateus. Yes, Mateus. his one. Oh my so, God. So, I know. Well, you know, CJ is, uh, he, 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 like, no disrespect, but he, he, He's a guy that was introduced to this wave a long time ago, so now he's got the experience, right? And he's very good friends with Garrett, and due to the fact that he's um, he, he uh, like uh, Garrett married his sister, CJ's sister, Nicole. So, um, and I think back in those days, I think Garrett really didn't because he was new to the spot, and there wasn't many people surfing, so he was probably looking for victims. <laughs> but CJ. CJ was in this event that they have here for a company out of Brazil and um, and they ran a two-day event and CJ got into this wave and it just, the A-frame, the direction of it, really made the wave sit up really quickly and so he had to control his speed and, of course, he went so fast down that wave that he must have hit a bit of a bump and lost his balance and then just wiped out really hard at the bottom of the wave and then that whole 60 foot wave landed on top of him and then the description that he gives is incredibly riveting you know like and you know i mean he's uh one of the featured surfers that they followed a lot of in the hundred foot wave so he really doesn't have an issue with being in front of a camera and he can really let loose um and let his heart hang out in relation to what happens? He doesn't. He doesn't sort of get scared how to tell, talk about stuff in front of a camera. And so, I, I I knew that this wipeout was a pretty crazy situation he went through because of the. Uh, it wasn't just like the wipeout, but everything else that happened after. I mean, he thought he broke his arm, but really he dislocated his uh, elbow, and he, he just thought it was all kind of like life-threatening, you know, life-ending while he was down. But he seemed to keep it together. But yeah, if you get an opportunity to go to my YouTube account, Surfing Visions, to check that interview out, that's probably one of the most riveting interviews I've ever documented in any uh, of the uh, 45 years of me shooting surfing. Yeah, I agree. I, I couldn't put it down. Maybe a little bit late for work, but I just couldn't put it down. Then the other thing I did, Tim, was I went to your Surfing Visions YouTube and I sorted it by most popular. And your most watched one, over 7 million views is um, Code Red Tahiti Biggest Swell. And I watched mm. that, and that to me gave me an appreciation how different waves can be around the world. Now, that wasn't – it was big, but it was um, – is it wide, deep? The amount of water behind the surfer. And even, 
like a world-class server like like Mick Potter said, they are effing stupid going out in that. And the lady, yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, and and the lady uh, sitting next to me, she was looking over my shoulder. She goes, "Oh my god, they are crazy." So, how yeah. how different do you have steep thin waves? Do you have shorter fat waves? What's the differentiation? Oh, mate, well, you know, that's the beauty of the sport, and that's why I love it so much. Because I've always said that the waves are the star but the surfers are there to enhance it. So really I'm there, as long as there's waves that are really big and dramatic, then then I'll be there regardless if there's surfers there or not. I mean, obviously, you know, without surfing, you don't have a sport and, you know, people want to see the sport and see people, you know, kind of taking on these crazy waves. But uh, what makes um, all this big wave surfing so unique is there's so many facets of the genre. Mm. So... You know, like when you look at Piahi, you know, which is um, Jaws in Maui, that's probably the premier big wave paddle spot, right? So, and they have WSL, the World Surf League, has an event there, and it's about paddling into the biggest waves um, that people can get into. And it does get, create very, very big waves. And it does get to a point when it's too windy and it's too big and toe surfing takes over and, they did have the swell they had the Eddie Cow earlier um, this year. Then that day was probably not a good paddle day and uh, because it was too much wind blowing up the face. The boards need to be super long. And with all that wind blowing into your face, it doesn't let the board get down and more than likely you're going to have a really serious wipeout. So, so, so PA, famous for its paddling, Waimea, is pretty much the main birthplace of big wave surfing that really became notable. And it was not just, I mean, Greg Knoll put, helped put that on the on the map. And then they ran the event in honour of an incredible lifeguard, a Hawaiian lifeguard, Eddie Akau, who has saved many, many lives. And he died in the line of fire. Um, and so that in recognition of that legend, um, they created the Eddie Akau big wave event at Waimea Bay because that was one of the places that he spent all his time lifeguarding. Um, so that's a paddle spot. But then you've got waves that hit these reefs very abruptly. In Australia, we're very famous for some of these waves, and they're called slabs. And the slabs are more likely to create a bow, like a really big tube and a very thick lip, and it doesn't allow you to normally paddle into these waves unless um, they're not too big. But... Once they get over 15 feet, most of the time you're going to see guys behind a jet ski getting towed into these waves. And when Chopu gets to like the the day it did in 2011 was Code Red, that was probably the most dramatic day in big wave surfing in relation to slab surfing, right? So that went down in history and some of the craziest waves like the most crazy wave that went down wasn't even completed. Yet Nathan Fletcher rode the craziest wave ever there, and he'll get, his name will go down in history, even though he didn't ride the wave through. You know, so you can be still really famous from riding a wave in that kind of genre of the sport and not succeed. You know, or you could be famous from maybe a hideous wipeout. You know. And there's been a few hideous wipeouts there that kind of helped create a surfer's reputation because of that. That you know the uh, you know the the, da- the data that goes out, the uh, 
the photographs, the videos, the social media of a, a crazy wipeout, like, you know, I could list a few of them. So um, that's Chopu and that's a slab, that's a reef, it hits the reef very abruptly and uh, jet skis are necessary. And Australia has a number of incredible slab waves that, that are mind-boggling, you know. And so we're talking about Shipsterns Bluff in Tasmania, the right at Warpole in Western Australia, which is about seven hours from Perth. Um, and then we've got a bunch of slabs around the east coast of Australia that um, resonate quite a bit, but not as much as Shipsterns or the right. And we're talking about Cape Salander uh, in Sydney and then Depot Reef, which is down past Ulladulla. So all these waves are very good on their day and with the right winds and the right period. And the period, if you don't know what period means, is like the storms are very, very uh, intense storm. It'll send a very solid period, which makes, makes the, 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 the surf very powerful. And when it's powerful, it creates a bigger wave. So if you've got a really big period in a wave, then you're going to see some really big waves. And uh, that's what we've got coming to Nazare and the um, west coast of Portugal and probably a shitload of other places around <laughs> the Atlantic as well. So, um, yeah, we're all pretty excited about what's coming. And you'll see all that translate on my social media on uh, on Surfing Visions on YouTube and on my Instagram on um, Tim Benython Surfing Swell Chasers. Yeah, talking to Tim Benython, um, you say swell chasers. I feel like you're a storm chaser as well. So how good's your meteorological skills? Are you always looking at maps? Because I think at the drop, of the, hat, drop of the hat the other day, you just took off to Ireland because there was a storm out there. <laughs> well, you know, that's the problem with um, the Atlantic is when there's a storm out there, it kind of um, ends up going everywhere, you know? like so. But obviously, you know, you've got a number of things you've got to um, – you've got to tick a number of boxes you've got to tick. And so you really want the winds to be the right direction. So you want the winds for Mulligmore, which is um, up up in Saigo, up in the top end of Ireland. You want the winds to be south. Um, and then you want a really good period as well, no more than the west direction around 15 seconds. And there all the boxes you tick and go, you know, it's going to be really good. Um, at Mulligmore and there's a couple of other waves we doc document one other wave that we documented outside there which is sort of out in the middle it's about 7k's out to sea from Mulligmore which has never been documented wow. in any detail before but it really the way that place works it's called St John's when the way that place works is that um, it, you don't want any wind at all you know and that's the same kind of situation you need at a number of big wave spots and that's including uh, the Cortez Bank in California, because it's way out to sea. Uh, Pedro Branca down in, um, off Tasmania, 27Ks off the bottom of Tasmania. And, yeah, there's a stack of those waves. And this wave, yeah, needs no wind. So it's very, very rare to, to break. And you want it over 40 foot, you know, like, so four or five metres. Um, and it comes out of deep ocean and just hits these reefs and creates a really big wave. So, yeah, I went up there and um, got three of days of really good surf and um, you know sometimes you just have to uh, expect that you're going to miss really good waves from where you came from um, but sometimes you can surf a swell there and then you've got to kind of catch the next flight back 
from uh, Dublin, and Dublin's about four hours from, or three and a half hours from Saigo, from Mulligmore, back to Dublin, and then catch a flight um, back. But it's just so draining it's to, to be shooting all day and then to catch a flight like at four in the morning, which is the way it works for, for going out of Dublin to Lisbon, and then, and then race down to, to Nazareth. It's doable, but you almost feel like you need people to drive the car, or I don't know, just... I just I'm too old now to to chase squirrels like that. I I can do it, but I you know I'm 64 now, so kind of like you know I want to um I I I have to be a little bit more calculated, and um you don't want to make too many mistakes because you could if you're um, pushing yourself too hard. Do you just live your life in Airbnbs nearby big swells? Do you have a permanent residence, or are you just always on the hunt? Yeah, I do. I have an apartment. I have an apartment here in um, in Nazareth, and so we have that Airbnb while I'm not here. So uh, that's um, that really works well for us. And uh, my, I'm married to a French lady, and we've been happily married for 25 years. And and um, when when I came here for the first time, I just went, "This is a no-brainer. This is the place to be." And the history was just beginning, and just um, you know to make it. Uh, so Sandra and my wife comes here and we have children and one of my kids are actually still in France at the moment. I've got a 23-year-old son, Tristan, and then Max and um, just to return back to Australia a couple of weeks ago and my wife's back in Australia. But So we all come up here and stay in the apartment while I'm here for the for um, part of the season. I'm here all season. And then Sandrine flies to France, to the southwest of France and connects with the, uh, the family there. And like last Christmas, we had them all come down here and so we it was a good timing because the surf was pretty small. <laughs> and so everyone was here. So I spent a lot of time with the family and it was good right right through um, like the last half of December and into right through January was pretty bad. And like this season's been really weird this season. It's kind of like everything was really firing in November and the first week of December. And then after that, it, the winds went weird. It started raining a lot. Um, the swells dropped out. But yeah, I went. I went to the Canary Islands and I uh, went to Madeira, and um, yeah, there's other places to go. But yeah, it's just been a real like the two best months of the year to come here is December, January. Right. And December, January are pretty much the worst for the you know the season. Finally, Tim, um, have you come across any Kiwis uh, in the big uh, wave world? Doug Young, Dougie Young, mate. I yep. know Dougie Young. Yeah. So um, Doug, Doug's. Um, he, he was, I think he, I spent a bit of time with him in Tahiti. And Sam Hawke is another guy um, that comes to mind. Uh, but, yeah, no, I've been really keen to go down. There's a few big waves down the South Island. Yeah. But even yeah. colder than, like, probably similar conditions to, to Ireland, you know, like a bit of snow on the beach and super cold air, you know. I mean, when you're out on the lineup at uh, Mulligmore, you know, it's like three degrees and, and then with a howling southwest wind, it's like minus seven. And so within five minutes, your hands have already gone numb. You don't even know if you're pushing the record button because your fingers are dead, you know, like you just can't feel them. So you're kind of pushing from the inside, hoping that you're getting, as long as you see the little red button in the viewfinder, you know you're doing it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't seen a lot of big wave surfers, but I know they exist down there on the South Island. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some big wave spots, you know, and – in uh, on the North Island, and uh, yeah, 
Yeah, so think... Guy Mack is another guy who's really well known up there for filming. So follow Guy Mack. He's a lovely guy and a very passionate big wave surfer. Fantastic. Yeah, down, um, filmer, I should say. Yeah, down off the Catlins, I think, the bottom southeast coast of New Zealand is where the big ones are over here. Hey, Tim, yeah, it's been, yeah. um, I've been following you for a long time and I just love love what you produce. It's high quality. It's highly engaging and entertaining. And um, I'm pleased to be able to, well, honoured actually to get you on my show today. I, it was a long shot, but you replied and said you'd love to. So uh, I really, really appreciate it. You're in a, you're in a gnarly no community, I, I guess, mate. So um, I really appreciate your time today. So when, when you go online to uh, check that interview out, have a look around some of the videos I did. There's a couple of Nazare videos I did from the lineup, and that's what I love to do is shoot in the water. And if you go online and, you know, make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment, that'd be great.